Good morning, family. Good morning to all of you folks that are online this morning. We're glad you joined us. And uh, yeah, I'm the guest speaker, and you'll be glad to have John back after you hear me speak this morning. And uh, it's an honor to be here. You know, um, I retired a couple of years ago from being in ministry for a lot of years. And um, when you retire, I don't know if any of you guys that are retired with me, sometimes you feel like you've lost a little relevance, you know. And by John asking me to share this morning, I just appreciate giving him giving me the opportunity to share with you all this morning. We've been studying in Ephesians, and uh, I was assigned Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And uh, I've been excited about this message for a couple of months now after John asked me. And uh, so bear with me this morning. Don't shoot the messenger. And uh, what I have to share with you may make you a little bit uncomfortable at times, but that's what God's all about. Amen. What I like to do is I like to start out by reading the entire passage of verses 1 through 20. And sometimes I know if you're like me, when somebody starts, stands up and reads scripture, sometimes I check out a little bit. But I'd like for you to really either have your Bible open or your, your uh, iPad or whatever you've got. But just follow along and just listen, because I want you to get the big picture of what Paul's trying to say here in these verses, okay? He starts off by saying, imitate God. Therefore, in what? Everything you do. Because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, as a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. God is raining down thunder. There's some deeds of darkness right behind us here right now. You need to know that. God's at work. He's spoken. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. 
Father, as we look at this passage and we unpack it together, I pray that you would speak loud and clear and that there would be good listeners this morning. There would be open hearts. And by your grace, God, I pray that by the end of this message, there will be some folks who will be transformed because of what they've heard. I pray that as I speak, God, that the meditations of my heart and the thoughts that I have would only be yours and not mine. Thanks for this incredible opportunity you've given me this morning to share this with you, with these folks. And I pray again that you would reign this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Obviously, when you see that passage, you notice that the up front, Paul really pretty much summarizes the next 20 verses by saying we are to be imitators of God. I'm trusting that God's going to strike you all with lightning this morning, all right? So he says, I want you to be imitators of God. And and, uh, as I was thinking about an imitator, I was cruising the uh, internet a little bit, and what I discovered was that China is absolutely famous for knockoffs. They're famous for cheap imitations. And so I, I found a few of them that I thought were kind of humorous. So here's, here's one. Um, we don't go to Starbucks, we go to Starbucks. So apparently they let you read in their coffee shops in China, okay? Uh, here's another one that I thought was interesting, crust toothpaste. <laughs> I don't know whether they let it go so long that when you squeeze it out of the tube, it just comes out kind of gnarly. But can you imagine brushing with crust toothpaste? This is, this is hilarious. Here's another one that I thought was interesting. Maybe some of you know. Unbelievable. This is not butter. I don't know what it is, but it's not butter. Okay. And here's, a, here's, a, here's the last one I thought was interesting. Arm and hammer tomahawk soda, baking soda. I wonder why they use the word tomahawk. And then I thought, of course, chop suey. What are you going to do? All right, you'll get that later. It's no problem. So what Paul's trying to do here earlier in this chapter, what he's trying to do is say, look, um, these are some cheap imitations that I can see or potentially have in the local church. And so he's speaking to us as believers this morning. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to those people who call themselves Christians. And he starts right in, jumps right in in verse 3 and says, we'll start out by saying you're a cheap imitator if you engage in sexual immorality. Well, what does that look like in our modern-day culture? I did some statistics, and what was really kind of scary to me is that it's as high as 60% of Christian men are involved in pornography. That's sexual immorality. Um, I found another statistic that was kind of scary, and that was um, evangelicals today, after they were polled, said that 42 to 50% of evangelicals believe now that premarital sex is no big deal. I mean, this is what infiltrated the church. And so Paul wanted to make sure that he brought that up immediately. And the reason was is that Ephesus was a den of sexuality. Ephesus was a very progressive cosmopolitan city. It's kind of like a modern-day Las Vegas. It was a kind of a trade route. There were a lot of Roman visitors there, and they worshipped one god there, uh, one of the goddesses there that was the primary goddess, was the goddess of Artemis, which was the sexuality god. And so Paul wanted to nip it in the bud and say, guys, look, you cannot participate in sexual immorality. It's a cheap imitation. It's not what God wants you to do. So he moves on, and he talks about the concept of impurity. 
And as I looked up that word impurity, it, it really is a throwback to the days of the Old Testament where there was this ceremonial cleansing. When you touched anything outside of what they considered was pure, you needed to go through this long ceremony of cleansing to clean your act up. And the way I interpret that today is, is that we live in a culture today that is virtually unclean, amen? We got a mess out there in our country today and in the world around us. And when we constantly give in and rationalize culture when culture is trying to cause us to rationalize our biblical values, we become unclean. And unfortunately, a lot of times that culture infiltrates the church and we end up rationalizing the way we do things because that's what everybody's doing in our culture. And so I think what, what Paul is really telling us this morning is saying, if you're in touch with that and you realize once that God is really speaking to you that it's not correct, it's not right, then you need to come clean with it. So stop being impure. I think it's clear to me that the reason why he addressed this to the church in Ephesus is because if you realize, if you go all the way to the book of Revelation and you see one of the churches at Asia was Ephesus, right? And in chapter 3, if you remember, when you heard the message, is that Paul actually prayed the prayer that these people would not lose their first love, that they would actually fall in love with God more and more, that he, they would know the height and width and depth and breadth of God's love. And yet in Revelation, we see that they lost their first love. So Paul was really concerned that they would not lose their identity, their biblical values in the face of culture, staring them in the face. And I feel like that's happened in the church today. He goes on to talk about the concept of greed. And as I think about the word greed, what he was really basically saying, it's nothing more than idolatry. And if I had to give you a definition of greed, I would say wanting so bad to have more, than, more, to have more you're willing to compromise your biblical values to get it. Are you there this morning? See, anything that comes before God, before the Lord in our life, it becomes more important. We're guilty of what I would consider idolatry or greed. And Paul was just saying, look, guys, make sure that Christ is first in your life. Make sure that that's the person that you're worshiping, not your family, not your success, not money, not all these other things that can get in the way of having complete allegiance to Almighty God. So that's, he addresses that. Then he talks about unwholesome talk. In verse 4, he says, knock off the obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, and I started to study that, and I'm thinking, what is he trying to say here? And basically what he's saying is, you're not taking what's coming out of your mouth seriously. I know Bill talked a little bit about it last week. Lying, gossip, coarse jokes, four-letter words, all those things we don't take seriously enough as Christians of how we're responding, again, to others and to our culture and he's saying, knock it off. Take it more seriously, what's coming out of your mouth. Then he goes on and talks. Well, let me go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, because I think we need to be reminded of what Bill shared last week. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those to hear them. Is that what you're reflecting? You know, I, th I look at these things and I say, why would people buy into cheap imitations? And the very reason is, is because it is cheap. And I feel like there's a lot of Christians today in the local church who have bought into what I would call a cheap imitation 
And what that really reflects on is it's cheap grace. And I think Paul was just saying, guys, buck up. Grow up. Make sure that these things are not being reflected in your own life. Well, now Paul changes and moves into what he would say would be a real imitator of God. And so this morning, I want to give you five different principles of what it means to be all in, to be a real follower of Jesus, to be somebody who is actually an imitator of God. Now, we're not talking about being perfect, but we're talking about these five things that have to be absolutely at the very core of your being if you really want to be a true imitator of God. Here's the first one. Already says in verse 4, after he lists all of these sin areas of their life, he said, but at the very end of it, he says, but be thankful. Thankfulness is so critical and gratitude is so critical to be an imitator of God. Have you ever seen anybody who has entitlement issues, a happy person? Don't you just love being around selfish, narcissistic people? Aren't they the most wonderful people to hang out with? Our whole culture is built around self, right? In fact, I heard uh, a, a psychologist, Christian psychologist, say the other day, he said, we're all addicted to ourselves. I mean, we have heard so much about rights these days. I want my freedom. I want my choices. And it's all about me. It's not about Jesus. Thankfulness is the key to contentment. When we're thankful, we have gratitude. We have gratitude. We have contentment. My wife and I, every night for the past, I don't know how many years now, before we go to bed, we always share three things we're thankful for every day. And it just helps to kind of keep perspective on who we are in Christ and what's going on in life because we can get so bogged down with all the junk in life that we forget that we need to be so grateful for what God has given us and how he's blessed us. So gratefulness is a key component to being an imitator of God. Here's the second one Paul brings up. A person who is honest about their sin. Now, isn't that revolutionary? Verse 6, don't be fooled by those who try to excuse their sins. You see, as children of light, as Paul has been talking about all through this book, he says, we are the ones that have the capacity to discern what is light and what is darkness. We have that, we should have that discernment. But we're so good at making excuses and rationalizations for our issues, and so we get stuck in the dark. When I was a little boy... Um, we lived in a house, an old Georgian house in Chicago, in one of the suburbs. And, and at nighttime, I used to freaked out once in a while about the boogeyman. You remember those days? And, um, and we had real creaky stairs coming upstairs to our bedrooms. And so at night, when it was dark and pitch black, you'd hear those creaks, you know. And I think, oh, golly, the boogeyman's coming. And I would get really scared. And I would yell out to my dad, hey, Dad, are you awake? He would say, "Uh uh-huh. I'd say, yeah, right, Dad. I wanted to turn on the light. I remember having so many issues with it that I created a booby trap for for the boogeyman, and we had a 
Venetian blinds that were the real wide ones, the metal ones, and they were so noisy. And so what I did is I pulled them up just a little enough, and I put that cord underneath the window sash. And so if that guy opened the window, they'd crash down and just scare him away. I mean, I was that freaked out. But I thought about that, and I thought, as Christians, it would be like me at five years old yelling out to my dad, Dad, I'm scared of the light. It's too light in here. I wonder how many Christians are scared of the light. We're so afraid sometimes to confront our sin issues. We make excuses, we rationalize, we hide, we do all those things. Why? Because we're afraid of the light. And we get, Satan's got us right where he wants us to keep it in the dark. And when you've found out when you have addictions or issues in your life, when you start bringing them into the light, all of a sudden they start to dissipate. Why? Because God wants to be there and show you mercy and forgiveness. Right? So Paul says in verse 8, So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And so he concludes that little portion in verse 13 by saying, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So have you fallen asleep to your own issues? Are you making excuses for the way you're living your life? Paul said, stop making excuses. See, a person who is an imitator, the third one is, is that a person who is having a positive impact on their world. In verse 11, he says, Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. As children of light, we're supposed to have an impact in our world. But their evil intentions, he says in verse 13, will be exposed when the light shines on them. If we're so busy living in darkness, how do we shine light on this world? And I'm so grateful to be able to share with you this morning. I retired a couple of years ago from uh, pastoral ministry after so many years and doing some consulting. And I wrestled with that a lot. And I don't know, a lot of you guys are retired in here in the room. And I wrestle with that and I say, okay, so I'm done. Does anybody really want me around anymore? Does anybody really care what I think? Am I relevant anymore? And I remember wrestling with that and going through a lot of mental gymnastics and emotional stuff. And, and finally, the Lord said to me one day, he said, Tom, you've got some of the best days ahead of you in terms of impact. And when John asked me to preach this morning, that was a re reinforcement to what God had really spoken to me about. We never stop. We may be retired, but we never stop having an impact, right? Right? You see, people who are imitators of God, the greatest joy in their life is to be used by God. Isn't it? Amen? That's the best thing on earth. That's what we were put here for, not to just hunker down in our bunkers. And I think COVID has given us a great excuse to be hunkering down in our bunkers. And it's, if we want to really see our world change, then it comes by us having an impact with those people in our lives that we're under influence with. No, we're not going to maybe change the world, but we can be used to change that person that we love next door, that person in our life that needs Jesus. Amen? That's what we're called here to do. Let it rain down, Jesus. 
Here's the fourth thing that Paul brings up. A person who makes it a priority to understand the will of God. Verse 15 and 16, he says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Don't be stupid, he's saying, but like who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. And how do we do that? He says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the will of God or the Lord wants you to do. Sometimes we're so busy as Christians to do what we want to do, we forget about consulting our Lord. I'm not convinced that a lot of times we say, well, how do we know God's will? How do we know God's will? Well, obviously one of them is in this book. It's so clear. But if we are really serious about being an imitator, every decision we make, every opportunity we have, we need to understand and and tap into what God do you want for me in my life? Where do you want me to go? What decision do you want me to do? How do you want me to live my life? Number five, a person who is willing to give up control to the Holy Spirit. You a control freak this morning? You like to call your own shots? You like to do your own thing? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to do it my way, Jesus. Bug off until I get into trouble, and then I may talk to you. You see, Paul said in in one of his letters, he said, I die daily. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I, but Christ lives in me. He said, it's not about me. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to rule and reign and control everything that I do in my life. Verse 18, he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Don't you love it? (laughs) Friends, I want to ask you something this morning. Are you all in? You know, I I see so many Christians today that I would consider them definitely their believers. They've accepted Jesus. But are you a follower? Are you all in? Are you an imitator? Or have you bought into cheap imitations? So this morning, I'm going to ask you to do something kind of courageous. If God is speaking to you this morning, it's time to step in the light. There's maybe some of you this morning that have some dark areas of your life that you've been putting off and you've been sending a bit of a message about being a cheap imitator. And so I'm going to ask you to do something pretty courageous and pretty bold this morning. I don't want you to just raise your hand. I want you to use your feet this morning. I guess we haven't done this for a long time at the Heights, but I'm going to ask you today. If God is convicting you and he's moving you, then the first thing you need to do is be honest with yourself and honest with God. I know I teach about the person's heart and what transformation really is, and the first step is to be honest with God and honest with yourself. Are you being honest with yourself this morning? Is there some area of your life that you've been hiding, that you've been, you've been putting under a bushel so you hope nobody finds out But in reality, this is something you haven't dealt with and it's time to deal with it today. So in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat 
And if that's you this morning, if God's speaking to you, if God's motivating you, if God's pricking your heart, then I would ask you to come forward here and kneel at the front here and do some business, legitimate, honest business with Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for you. And by God's grace, I trust God that he's going to move in this auditorium and touch some hearts here this morning. God moved in the first service, and I believe he wants to move here again today. I thank you for this opportunity. Let's pray together. Father, in a moment, some folks here have a most incredible opportunity, an opportunity to begin to step into the light. And I really believe, God, that you want to do some work in some people's hearts here this morning. And so, Lord, in these next few moments, could there be a holy moments here at the Heights this morning? Could there be a moment where we could all rejoice and say, God is at work? God, I know that in my own life, I want to be so badly an imitator of God. And for some folks here, maybe that hasn't been their deepest desire, but this morning, you're saying, yes, God, I want to be a true imitator of God. I, I, I'm tired of some of this cheap living that I've been under. And so today's the day. So as the band plays and as we sing, I pray that you would feel comfortable enough and honest enough to step forward here and kneel before our Savior and do business with God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.